You're listening to the Q's Podcast, episode 93. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is a forum where we take cues on the go and connect you with credit union industry leaders as well as cross-industry experts for a wide range of perspectives on trends and topics relevant to you. I'm your host and producer, James Lenz, Q's Professional Development Manager. It means a lot to us that you continue to make this show part of your day. We appreciate how devoted and committed you are to growing together as credit union professionals. We have a lot of loyal listeners out there. In fact, our listener base has grown to over 2,500 cities from around the world. We aren't able to recognize everybody, but we do want to take a moment and give a shout out to listeners in Vaughan, Ontario, North Vancouver, British Columbia, Anchorage, Alaska, Warner Robins, Georgia, Honolulu, Hawaii, Portland, Oregon, and my early hometown of West Bend, Wisconsin. On behalf of the Q's organization, we thank all for your support in sharing the Q's podcast with your colleagues. It's been a joy producing the show, and a lot of that has to do with our great guests. I'm so excited to share with you my interview with today's guest. Connie Miller is an author, speaker, and consultant. She's authored the book, Don't Sabotage Your Career, 11 Power-Filled Steps to Succeed. As you'll soon find out, Connie is a very reflective individual and truly cares about personal and professional growth. And the best part is she is willing to share insights she's gained as a visionary leader, one with 24 plus years of executive level management experience. Connie Miller has a passion for empowering others to reach their fullest potential, gain superior communication and interpersonal skills, and lead to resolve multiple and complex issues. Her primary role, however, is as president and CEO of $342 million Icon Credit Union in the Boise, Idaho region. Icon CU was named one of the top healthiest credit unions by DepositAccounts.com. The organization was also recognized as one of the best places to work and was recently named a finalist for the 2018 Torch Awards by the Better Business Bureau. I can't wait to share with you this action-packed episode, but first I want to thank our sponsor for today's show, Co-op Financial Services. As listeners of the Cues Podcast, they have a special offer for you. Build, buy, or partner. Invest in new technology or update legacy systems. Prioritize payments or lending. Credit union leaders are facing some of the most challenging strategic choices they've ever had to make, especially in the era of COVID-19. That's why Co-op Financial Services has teamed up with EY to introduce the Credit Union Strategic Investment Assessment. This online assessment takes unique data points from your credit union and provides you with a customized blueprint to help you place the right strategic bets for future growth. You'll also have the opportunity for a one-on-one advisory session with experts from Co-op and EY to help you interpret your results. Credit unions would normally have to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to receive this type of in-depth consultation, but Co-op is offering the CU Strategic Investment Assessment for only $1,200. But act fast because the assessment closes on July 2nd. To learn more and purchase the CU Strategic Investment Assessment, please visit co-opfs.org slash strategic assessment. Thank you, Co-op Financial Services, for your continued support. Now, we're just about ready to hit play in my interview with Connie Miller. I found the insights she shares on this show very relevant for CU leaders and future leaders. I even think board members would even have appreciation for her candor and framework for reflection. Some of the highlights include 
Good Practices for a Reflective Leader, a list of unconscious habits that might cause individuals to unknowingly halter their career trajectory, remedies to help one's career path, how to recognize opportunities that others may simply miss, and tips to help the organization think of you when considering someone for a promotion. All right, Q's Podcast Nation, here's my interview with Connie Miller. Connie, it is a special treat to have you as a guest on the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's actually a pleasure to be here today with you. Now, Connie, we have Q's podcast listeners from around the globe, from over 80 different countries. In fact, now is a good time for the Q's podcast nation to get to know you a little bit more and add a bit of inspiration and perspective to the show. I often ask my guests if they have a mantra or success quote that they live by professionally. Connie, do you have a mantra or success quote that you would be willing to share with our audience? I do. I actually have a few, but my favorite would be do the right thing, even when no one is looking. I do believe asking this question, for me at least, uh, keeps the gray decisions from falling over on the wrong side of the fence. I often do a gut check for me, and I often pause and ask, if this decision hit the front page of the paper, would I be proud of the situation um, or would I have a lot of explanation to do? Uh, So sometimes I also ask, certainly in my role as president and CEO of my credit union is knowing that it's owned by our members, is would our members appreciate the integrity of what we're doing with this decision? And does it serve them well? So those are probably my two most used mantras. Coming in third would probably certainly always be reminding people that my employees know this, sometimes they'll quote me, is that you are always in a job interview. So pay attention to what you do inside of work, but also outside of work. Wow. Those are three golden pieces of advice. And that's just something you naturally do. Tells me you are a very reflective leader, one of a great integrity. Wow. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Now, uh, Connie, could you give us a little brief synopsis of your professional journey in the credit union industry? And then could you share with our listeners information about Icon Credit Union and the community you serve? Uh, Yes. Uh, So after leaving a large nonprofit organization of 12 years as their accountant early in my career, I received an accounting degree from Boise State and went to work for this nonprofit. I was really searching at that point in time for another organization that was mission driven. It's always been important to me to work for an organization that really stands for something. And as much as I love numbers, I wanted it definitely to be more than that. And I knew nothing about credit unions at that time, except that I was a member of a credit union. And I, uh, of course, love the friendly service that I received uh, as just my personal banking experience. Uh, But fortunately, I was blessed to be offered a position as a vice president of finance in a corporate credit union named Idaho Corporate Credit Union at that time. 
And I worked there um, for just two and a half years, and I absolutely fell in love with the industry through that experience, meeting all of the credit union CEOs and just seeing the passion for what they do day in and day out. And then at that time, the corporate credit union started consolidating. And so I decided that I really wanted to get in a natural person credit union. And I kind of put my eyes on that. So I later joined Idaho Federal Credit Union, which later changed its name to ICON. And so I've been with them for 22 years now. Uh, and it's been an incredible career choice for me. When I joined ICON, I was the first to fill that uh, newly created role of a vice president of finance, now known as ICON, which at that time, uh, we were one branch. I believe we were $35 million in assets. I spent, and I'll never um, forget this, I spent my first two years getting us prepared for Y2K, which was a big mm -hmm. thing then. Yeah, and it was, yes. oh my goodness, it was incredible training ground for the rest of my career. Because if I hadn't had that opportunity, I would have got in and just really um, focused on the accounting and finance piece. But as a result of that, I, I had the Y2K efforts of the whole credit union. So I was able to touch every aspect of the credit union. Uh, if a loan document you know, wasn't printing correctly, I needed to know what our backup plan was. So it was great. After 10 years in that role as Vice President of Finance, I was blessed to be named the CEO of ICON, and that was in 2008. So that's been my role for the last 12 years now. My second significant training ground was certainly 2008 when I stepped in as CEO uh, with the economic crisis. Uh, mm -hmm. And it certainly prepared me today for this pandemic that we're facing. And ICON's original field of membership, when I think back about how much we've changed, it's pretty amazing. Our original field of membership in 1952 was the Idaho Transportation Department and the Idaho State Police. Mm -hmm. uh, who we still serve today. So that's pretty cool. Uh, and then, of course, our field of membership has happened, uh, as many credit unions have happened, uh, has expanded to uh, the community state chartered uh, credit union now. So our future growth today, I see, is really, it's just coming from being hyper diligent with the customer service and continuing to really hold true to the mission and the structure. But I've been very blessed to have an amazing career. Wow, that is exciting. So you started and spent significant training in the financial space, but it sounds like you enjoyed that, but you also had just a natural curiosity to influence greater responsibilities, not just for a particular department, but for an organization. And then, of course, with your previous you know, interest outside of credit unions in the nonprofit world, and it fit perfectly, it sounds like, for you, people helping yeah, people. Yeah. And wow, some interesting milestones there in timing with your position and crises and how that has changed. So you mentioned Y2K and how that actually, you know, was very challenging, but with challenge come great benefits and great learning opportunities. And it can change a, a career pathway. It just allows one to grow and grow within an organization and, and to lead and to influence. And then you became CEO in 2008 with the financial crisis going on and now with COVID. <laughs> yep. Lots of challenges. This isn't a question I didn't think of till now. Do you want to reflect on what's going on now and challenges, but maybe 
you want to shine a light on one or two positive things as a result of what's going on right now? Oh, absolutely. So one of the things that this has done is I think it's reminded us all how resilient we can be and how we can react quickly to get to whatever goal we're trying to accomplish and react to the situation. So assessing the landscape around us is something that I'm always thinking about is trying not to put ourselves in a box and uh, clearly in this situation that we're facing, which started out as a health crisis and is kind of turned into an economic crisis as well. What I have seen that's been really positive out of this is to understand and see how we can all work in unusual times quickly, as long as there is this support and the tools out there. So I've been very impressed with the credit union industry, uh, the association, Northwest Credit Association, for example, that we belong to. The, the rapid response to collaborate and pull everyone together and provide the tools and insight that we can all use. I think we can learn from this. The other thing is, how often do we put parameters up about how we think something might work or might not work, such as remote employees, where we might have some certain fears or whatever, and we've just seen it's working incredibly well. So I do believe that um, we're going to get a new improved normal. And I think that we're going to take the best from this. And I can see, for example, our efficiency and how we yeah. meet is is going to be great. Yeah, I, I, I share your same sentiment. Efficiencies in the workplace have been expanded by 20 years. It yes. jumped us ahead in 20 years. And I'm involved with not just on-site learning, but online learning. And as a developer and producer of that, it really has put us at least 20 years ahead. And of course, that goes for outside of the workplace and in the schools as well. There's in the education world in general. Really interesting how when something tough comes down the road, one can be more agile than you think and, and adapt. Uh, pretty amazing what we can do as a team and with all the technological pieces that are out there. Yeah, I think we learn often. Uh, I, sorry, I think we yeah. do learn often uh, as well is that you learn more during difficult times, in my opinion, than smooth times. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what is going on in your life. When you always go back and reflect, that's when you really learn and grow. Yes, absolutely. My motto is, and I've been in education my whole entire life. And some of you have heard this on the show once or twice before, but uh, tell me, I forget, show me, I remember, and involve me, I understand. I mean, that's why training has changed. Uh, do we need to know everything all right now, or do we need on-demand learning when we need it most? And so that's how online learning can actually be a real agile and advantage. Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of neat things going on with uh, cues now and, and certainly in the near future. I want to... <laughs> uh, jump uh, to your content of your book. This is really exciting. I mean, it's an honor speaking with you today. Uh, it's also exciting because as a CU leader, you've authored a book that supports careers not only in the credit union industry, but among cross-industry as well, which is fantastic. Your book is entitled, Don't Sabotage Your Career, 11 Power-Filled Steps to Succeed. Connie, could you please share with our listeners how this book came about and, and how others can use it to support their careers? What's the journey been like? Uh, I'd be happy to. So uh, first, let me just share that I never imagined 
that I would author a book someday. Uh, but it's been an amazing journey. Uh, my personal passion is really about, it's the thing that fills my bucket day in and day out, which is really helping people grow and see kind of their maximum potential. So I've seen over the years, uh, many employees grow from being a teller, for example, to a senior executive position. Uh, and along their journey, maybe didn't think they had it in them uh, or that they uh, could do it. I've also seen many employees with all the expertise and the smarts and the experience and the education that is needed for a job, uh, but they do get passed up uh, for a promotion or additional leadership responsibilities because it would truly be a poor decision to move them into a leadership role. And oftentimes it's primarily because of poor behavior traits or lack of communication skills as examples. And I would propose to say also that many refuse to acknowledge the importance to grow those skills and, and gain a strong emotional intelligence even when it's brought to their attention. Uh, and these are critical to be a good leader over other precious souls working for your organization. So I'm a believer that we have a responsibility to grow people, but also not stress employees out by giving them a boss might, that might be completely inadequate or challenged with leadership. So over the past few years, I had some employees and some peers among my professional circle of CEOs and some friends reach out for leadership advice and several encouraged me to actually write a book someday. I would hear, you really need to write a book someday. Mm -hmm. um, and after I heard it a few times, I finally said, I really should do this. And I, and I wonder if I could, because um, I'm an accountant. Uh, I'm not a writer and an author in my mind at that time. So, But in 2017, I actually remember the defining moment where I said, I really need to do this. I've learned a tremendous amount in my career, and I think I have some wisdom that I can share. And so I knew quickly what I wanted to write about, which was really bringing attention around all the things that really great people do to sabotage themselves. And also how to bring light to the behaviors so people could avoid making the mistakes that are hurting them in their career. And oftentimes it's unintentionally. So my focus was to really be practical with this. I'm a very practical person. I do believe you can't just tell someone to stop creating drama in the office, for example. Uh, you need to give them practical tools about how to step away from it, for example, when it surfaces. And I felt it was important to add self-assessments in the book in each chapter because I think we have to stop and reflect more than we do and self-assess ourselves. So I actually, it was really, it was really a great journey. I took a week and I hold myself up in a cabin and I committed to write 12 hours a day for one week. And I had no idea what it would look like at the end of the week. I had no idea if I would only have one chapter done or the book completely done. But I was willing to commit to one week, disengage. I disengaged from work and my cell phone and everything. And I just focused on getting my thoughts and experiences on paper and kind of organizing them. Mm -hmm. So 
it was fun. After a lot of sticky notes and stretch bakes, and I got probably about 70% of it written, followed by maybe, an, uh, and then I took another week uh, a few months later. And then I just really got someone to help get it published and uh, get it on Amazon. And it has turned out to be an amazing experience, first of all, but also it's very fulfilling when you get the feedback. It's a wonderful tool for many employees at all levels in an organization. It's been interesting because I never thought that I would ever want to write another book. It's a lot of work, but I actually am thinking now after going through the experience and being asked to present and talk about it and work with other employees is I think there's also maybe a sequel in mind I might be having, and that's really how to help supervisors help their employees when they misstep in these areas. So we'll see. I don't know where we'll land with that. Wow. A couple of interesting points, several interesting points there. Number one, I was going to ask you, how do you get away, how you write, uh, where you have to be? And you really tuned out uh, the world to really take it seriously because you've been pondering a while and mm-hmm. reflect. I think that's real great advice for future authors who are listeners to the show is commit to it. And, and to commit means you know, put yourself away and reflect. And then the second thing is we started the show. I asked you what if you had a mantra and you basically did what you, I, I love that the book is action oriented. You said mm-hmm. you have self-reflection questions for each particular area. And you started the show by saying, I'm a very reflective person and uh, this is what I do. And then you did that in the book. So with your staff and, and people you encounter in your life must be very consultative, an incredible listener, must take on the approach of a coach, coaching a type piece. It sounds like, is that true? Yes, that's very true. And I think it was a good reminder. One of the things that I learned was the outcome of this, if you look at it, and how many times as leaders in our organization do we take the time just to pause and reflect? To take a week and really pause, pause and reflect, for example, about your organization and the strategic future of it. And, you know, we get so busy in our day-to-day lives of doing. One of the things that I learned is the importance of just setting aside time to pause and reflect and create basically action plans, uh, but know why you're doing it. Yeah, very conscious about that. Excellent. Now, the book has received some very strong reviews. Let's dig a bit deeper. You reference a series of unconscious habits. We're just talking about being conscious about reflection, but a lot of this book has to do with helping people be aware of what they may not be aware of that could sabotage their career, right? And uh, I have two questions from that. What are some of those unconscious habits and what are some solutions or remedies to help one's career path? There are a few big ones that I see most often and get, I actually get asked to present about these pretty often today. The first one is the importance that employees must be fully committed to the organization's mission. We tend to use mission or vision statement or cultural values lightly when it comes to employee performance or even evaluating, am I doing the right thing in my own job? But it actually shows up in so many places. So you need to live and breathe what the company stands for. 
And that means supporting the direction from your boss, supporting the CEO, and even the board of directors. Uh, Sometimes I even see CEOs going to battle, for example, with their boards, and it typically doesn't end well. And so unless it is something that is unethical or illegal or immoral, you have an obligation to your company to fulfill its mission and truly be in alignment with your supervisor or your board. And when employees try to dig their heels in or change the trajectory because of their personal preferences, for example, it doesn't bode well in building trust with the leadership and building your career. And all leaders want to build a team under them that they can trust to be in alignment with. That's just how it works. And so I'm not talking about requiring employees to agree with you. What I am talking about is striving to reach the North Star, the same why as your leadership. It's so important that you are in alignment or you have chaos. And it really sabotages yourself when you're not um, striving to be in alignment. So I often ask for opinions or questions in my role today, for example, because I want feedback, but not everyone can be the captain of the ship. And if you, as an employee, for example, grab the steering wheel and yank it a certain way, it's not a good situation. And so as people grow their careers, I'm a big believer that the loyalty to the company especially as you climb higher in leadership in your organizations, the loyalty to your company has to almost become stronger than your loyalty to your employees or peers. And that sounds a little bit unusual, but know that if you do that right and you get in alignment well and with the right leadership skills, you actually help your employees and your peers to meet their needs too. And they'll want to follow your direction. But I have seen sometimes employees are more concerned, for example, about being a friend or the hero to their team than really doing what's right for the company. Or they get hung up on, for example, personal processes or preferences. The other thing is the second one that is becoming that I just think is really critical in building a career and not sabotaging yourself is becoming an expert at mastering the art of professionally stepping into difficult but very needed conversations. We have a communication style in our society today of, I guess, shielding or stepping away from needed and uncomfortable conversations. So when you can be honest, and build your leadership mantra of kind of creating a culture of open communication, it truly does build trust and accountable teams. And you become very respected. However, most people avoid this. And the biggest reason is they don't like the anxiety that comes with having uncomfortable conversations. But they can really benefit both the organization and themselves as well. And yet it's interesting, those same people will be the ones that will pair off with another employee and gossip. And what they don't realize is that it really hurts their personal brand and it really breaks down trust. So I shared a lot in my book about this because I think it's so important. Employees, actually, you will make a terrible supervisor if you don't have the courage to talk to your employees, for example, about how they can grow. And in addition to that, of course, we all hate drama. Creating drama, for example, is a career killer. 
I despise it. My team knows I despise it. You need to help people get out of drama and you need to help your boss be successful, not backstab or undermine them. And I've seen so many of these unintentional mistakes where they may just take it as venting or, you know, whatever, where great talent and potential is actually ignored because of what people do that they don't realize that's really hurting their brand. Wow, that is uh, some great advice. How do you recognize opportunities that others may simply miss? Also, what are some insights you might be able to share so that the organization thinks of you when considering someone for a promotion? I would say first, and I've lived this, first is always be ready for the next job that you want. It's the next promotion, and you need to be ready well before the position opens up. I remember when I was the CFO, uh, for example, if I were in a management team meeting, I would engage more in listening and learning from the conversations about lending or member-facing technology or marketing, for example. Even though it might not be in my job description, it really helped prepare me for that bigger role of a CEO. So have engaging conversations, for example, in coaching sessions about what your next promotion is that you are working on that's important to you. What are the things that you would love to learn? And be careful. Don't be demanding. Sometimes people are demanding without proving themselves first. But I think it's important to always be listening and paying attention to what is the next role for you and get ready ask for uh, ways that you can job shadow or read policies or whatever that is for, uh, for you to get ready. I think the second is to take company policies seriously and to figure out how you can learn and grow from them. If you're that person that is constantly stretching them, for example, whether that be overtime for you or your employees or underwriting decisions or Just ask yourself if that truly is building trust with your leadership or causing doubt. I'm a big believer also of volunteering, and I think volunteerism gives you an opportunity to shine and be with other people that typically raise their hands and volunteer are usually amazing human beings, and you want those people in your circle. And organizations often ask for volunteers on task groups or the Christmas party or, you know, it could be a wide variety of things. And and those are opportunities for you to shine and show your leadership. And so I think sometimes employees talk themselves out of things first without thinking about the opportunity that might be there um, to get noticed and to show your leadership skills. So I would just say, be a dependable leader, be supportive leader, still give your ideas, But it is okay if you're not asked for a vote. You should be comfortable, for example, coaching up, coaching sideways, coaching down. The employees that that are very honest with me and open and are willing to share with me something that might make me a better supervisor are those I have a greater respect for and a trust level with. I want those people on my team. So I think it's just important to know that it's, It's not okay to ignore the influence of your boss or the leadership or manipulate or play games to get your way. 
because I think that ends up hurting you in the long run. Uh, and it's oftentimes it's on things that are small in nature. They may not even be in your area of responsibility. So I think to get noticed, um, you just have to step into situations where you are able to show some of those additional communication skills or leadership skills that you have. I think there's one thing also sometimes that hurts folks, and I talk about this quite a bit in my book, was be very careful about what you do in fraternizing with coworkers outside of work. It typically never ends well, and it actually oftentimes scars those involved in others' eyes who weren't included, for example. Even if you have the best intentions, perception can be really misinterpreted. It can be ugly in most of those situations. So even if you never talk about work and you're fully committed in, it's just one of those things that can, oh, well, so-and-so's buddy with so-and-so or well, we can't pull them in because they're really close with this person into a particular task or project or whatever. So I would just say get get really darn good at crucial conversations and then don't talk yourself out of things. Oftentimes, you know, I've seen, I saw this um, wonderful uh, clip on Johnny Carson one day where they didn't have a drummer. The drummer was sick or whatever. And so he just threw out to the audience and said, hey, do we have any drummers in the audience? And this one gentleman raised his hand and he got up there and he was pulled up on stage and he was amazing and it launched his career. So, you know, that's an example where I often wonder how many other drummers were in the audience that talked themselves out of raising their hand rather than stepping into an amazing opportunity. Yeah, I would definitely, I think that is really important. Wow, this is such an interesting conversation and, uh, and you can really go deep on these topics. It would be great to have you connecting with our members on uh, on an organizational level and, and individual staff level. Uh, on be how, my pleasure. Yeah, I, I think it would be fantastic. Boy, Boise and uh, surrounding communities are, are lucky to have you as a leader there and just as a voice of reason and wisdom. And now you have now communicated this to the world, again, in your book. Don't sabotage your career, 11 power-filled steps to succeed. Now, before we go, it would probably would be good to uh, share with our listeners. I'm sure they have great interest in this now that they heard from you, the author, Connie. What is the, the best way for them to get a copy of the book? Uh, it is on Amazon. So you can just go on Amazon and search Don't Sabotage Your Career. It should come up. Uh, you are also welcome to email me. My email address is Connie J. Miller 836 at gmail.com. And if you have either a large order or, and, and also feel free to reach out to me if you want to process an issue. I am really here just to help, especially credit unions, but leaders in our world just become better leaders. If there's anything I can do to help, I am happy to. Sometimes you just need to process it with someone and then you are good to go. Has the book opened up things quite a bit in, in your ability to connect with people in a larger geographic region? What has that looked like and what do you think of yeah, it? Yeah, that's been the fun part of it is I, I didn't write the book for to make money on it or it really, I wrote it because I want to help people recognize where they're getting stuck. 
And uh, so it has really opened up. What has been really interesting is the, the largest topic, of the largest chapter in the book that I get additional questions on or asked to come in and help work with individuals or presentations or whatever is stomping out the drama in your environment, <laughs> stomping out the drama in the workplace. And I, I think it's because you cannot build your culture if you have a lot of that going on. And Idaho just had a, a top best places to work, top 10 best places to work. And, and we were named in that top 10. And what was really cool is we have four credit unions that are in that top 10 list. So I do think credit unions as a whole work hard on culture, but you cannot build a good culture if you have that going on. And there is really good practical ways to get it where you don't have it. We just need to teach people how to do it. Sounds like culture to you is a verb. Culture is an ongoing action. Is that correct? That's absolutely right. Uh, I think it makes our our lives, every life so much uh, better. So I am a huge believer in culture. I invest from day one when employees join our organization, for example, I take every new employee out for coffee and talk about what are the most important things to get ahead at ICON and to grow. The cool thing about this, which fulfills me, is it's not just as an employee. Every one of these skills make you a better person on the personal side too. Yeah, carry over outside of your daily job as well and into your life. Wow, what a special treat. Connie, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. It's an interview I will not forget. And uh, I will be sharing that with lots of people. And uh, I think our listeners will as well. And I think they're going to want more of Connie Miller. So (laughs) thank you. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Have yourself a wonderful day. Thank you much. Q's Podcast Nation, thank you so much for making this show part of your day. If you feel this episode would be valuable for a particular individual or team, please share it. The Q's Podcast is found in all major podcast directories, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and more. Just enter Q's Podcast in the search bar and it will take you right to the show. Hit the subscribe button and you'll receive an alert when a new show is released. You also gain access to all previous episodes as well a great way to take cues on the go. In addition, you can find the show notes and the link to the show at the URL cumanagement.com slash podcasts. Anytime you'd like to reach out to me and other members of the podcast team, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at cues.org. For more challenge development content from cues, visit cumanagement.com. If you're a cues member, you have access to invaluable membership benefits to further enhance your development. Visit cues.org slash membership to learn more. Right now, non-members can sign up for a 45-day free trial. Find out the details at cues.org. Cues is an international credit union association. Our mission is to educate and develop credit union CEOs, executives, directors, and future leaders. To learn how Cues can help you realize your potential, visit cues.org today.